0: everyone. Welcome to More Than Fashion, the SNR Podcast. I'm your host, Erica Capobianco. I'm the Student Communications Director of Marist Fashion's 35th Annual Silver Needle Runway. But trust me when I say, we're so much more than just a fashion show. We understand that from an outsider's perspective, fashion is oftentimes seen as superficial. But with the help of some very special industry professional guests, we're delving into a whole new side of fashion you've never seen before. And we can't wait to share it with you. Welcome back to More Than Fashion, the SNR podcast. By the time this episode is coming out, we will be just days away from the 35th annual Silver Needle Runway. It is so surreal that my journey as the communications director is so sadly coming to a close and just to think the months and months of work are about to be worth it for our incredible senior designers and for the rest of my co-directors and SNR team. But with that said, I could not think of a more perfect guest for our pre-show episode, Tracy Wong, the founder and visionary behind Vore3D, which is a business-to-business virtual solution for showcasing fashion collections. We'll talk more about Vore3D in this episode, but first, let's get to know Tracy. She was born in Hong Kong. She was raised in San Francisco. She attended the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, and now she's based in New York. She's a second-time founder and has over 10 years of fashion experience within the design, marketing, merchandising, and production industries. She has held roles with big brand names and small, but some that you may recognize include Gap, Tommy Hilfiger, and Calvin Klein. Right after graduating from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, Tracy was featured to show at San Francisco Fashion Week, which we talk about in this episode, And today she's the founder of VOR, which aims to redesign the fashion business model to be synchronous, agile, and as you'll hear from Tracy's passion, to be sustainable. We talk about Tracy's extensive experience in the fashion industry, how she found an opportunity to optimize the industry through a digital and sustainable system. And we even get to talking about the future of fashion shows by the end of the episode. I don't want to give any more away, but I will say for all the designers listening, especially those who are going to be showing at the 35th annual Silver Needle Runway this Saturday, that Tracy is always looking for emerging designers and brands to work with. So, Definitely check out the show notes to see where exactly you can connect with her. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Okay, Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today on the More Than Fashion, the SNR podcast. Um, Thank you so much for
1: being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. And I'm glad, you know, I can tell my story. Absolutely. So I'd love to kind of kick off our
0: conversation today with a fun little segment that I like to call illusion versus reality. So I'm going to give you a generalization about fashion, technology, virtual reality, the whole bit, and you're going to tell me whether or not it's an illusion, so something false or not entirely true, or reality meaning something that you personally find to be true. Um and you can Definitely elaborate on any of these answers. And with that said, are you ready to get started? Of course. Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. So the first one I have for you is, the industry will likely no longer follow the traditional fashion calendar in a post-pandemic world.
1: And I think that one is true, um, but not entirely true. I'm sure, you know, there are still some brands who would adhere to the tra- traditional calendar. Um, but then a lot of the smaller brands and the majority of the fashion industry are actually going seasonless. Um, one of the reasons is because people are getting their, you know, lifestyles and trend from social media, right from their fingertips on their phone, rather than actually, you know, like following the seasonal fashion week, you know, like going to fashion week, you know, waiting for news to come out and then waiting for the next one. Um, people can get their information and trends, you know, just like that now. So um, it's better to, it's actually better for brands to push out their styles as they have it. Um, and so that they can also be more responsive to, to trends that driven by the end consumer now.
0: Definitely, and I think that we're already seeing so many brands and designers even before the pandemic that were starting to drift from or abandon this this system entirely but kind of speaking of traditions the next one i have for you is physical showrooms are a method of the past
1: oh yeah um yes i i think this is true um and because now the trend has been increasingly consumer driven which also means that, you know, like, well, as you guys also know, um, the rise of the DTC 2 c brand, um, and that also translate to cutting out the middleman, and a lot of these physical showrooms, and especially the multi-brand showrooms, what they essentially are, are the middleman. They are the ones that help, that's helping brands, um, to get in front of retail buyers. But then a lot of brands now are actually selling directly to consumers and increasingly cutting out these middle, uh, middle persons. Um, it's kind of sad to say, I mean, like it is cutting, um, you know, getting rid of some jobs in the fashion industry, but I believe, you know, like the fashion industry will be able to reinvent themselves, or at least, you know, like for people in that segment, they will be able to re- reinvent themselves and use their expertise elsewhere in fashion.
0: And there's definitely so many different options to kind of, you know, showcase those collections in an immersive way. And also, you know, kind of what we were talking about before in a see now, buy now kind of kind of system. So on a similar note, as we're kind of discussing innovating ways to show fashion, the next one I have is. Virtual reality in fashion is something far off into the future and not something currently happening in the industry.
1: Um, it's it's something that's currently happening in the fashion industry, only for the bigger brands who have the budget to mm-hmm. try it out. Um, but I have to say for the majority of the global fashion industry, and especially the ones, you know, like in, um, you know, not in Europe and not in the US, they are still, Doing things in a very conventional way, um, by large, Um, for them, I feel like it's a little bit far off. Whether or not they would actually adopt it, you know, like it's a, it's a totally different story. Um, When we talk about virtual reality, you know, like my definition of virtual reality, or you know, is an actual three D. 3D space that you have to put on a headset, if you're a headset to get into, not just, um, you know, like if you're just looking at 3D on the computer, that's not exactly virtual reality per se. Um, it's just, you know, an industry term that we, you know, often that um, other people often um, get confused with. Um, and with that said, you know, like, because there's a whole headset and everything, you know, there's, there's a certain learning curve that people have to go through in order to adopt the technology. And I feel like um, especially for the older generation that's been working in the fashion industry for decades, you know, like to adopt this new learning curve is somewhat it's a it's a harder thing for them to do. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I think that especially during the pandemic, we kept hearing about, you know, different ways to kind of, you know, showcase garments as if as if you're there. And I feel like virtual reality or 3D designs have been really big buzzwords in the industry that we constantly keep hearing about but again like you said you know it's it's really about the people who have the budget who can really execute that yes. um but the, the the last one that i have for you is and i think this will particularly pique the the interest of our listeners is that uh the fashion
1: digital age is here to stay definitely definitely um not just for fashion um digital transformation has disrupted pretty much across the board, across a lot of the fashion, uh, a lot of the industries. Um, and fashion being one, you know, one of those legacy industry that doesn't, that didn't really have major innovations for for a long time. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, like not just because of the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, fashion was already going through a digital transformation. It was kind of slow moving because, you know, like people, are stuck in the old ways, you know, like people are comfortable doing things the they, you know, the way that they were doing for, for years, but now they're forced to. And if you really think about anything that you do, once you get to a better place and you start doing things in a better way, in a more, you know, like more efficient and cost effective manner, you're not gonna go back to before, you know, like that's just not how the world happens. <laughs>
0: No, fantastic. And I, I completely agree. And again, like you said, over the last several years, we've really witnessed this transition again, not just to fashion industries, but all industries really adjusting to this, this ever evolving, you know, technology and, and and digital driven worlds and kind of, you know, saying, do we abandon traditions in entirely and, and, you know, have to be quick moving and, and readily, you know, adapting to, to the new system, or, you know, it's, I I feel like it's, it's a big challenge for not just the fashion industry, but, but for all industries as well, considering just the frequency and, um, of, of the evolution of these technologies. But I think before we can really get into all of that and, and talk about your company Vore3D, I think listeners would be fascinated to hear about your very accomplished career in the fashion industry, as this podcast is geared towards students, I'd love to hear about how you were initially drawn to fashion and the multitude of opportunities that were available in the industry, even back to when you were studying at the uh, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself like very accomplished, you know, like I, I would like to think that I have some some accomplishments. I'm sure a lot of people out there, it's a lot more accomplished than I am, just trying to stay humble. Um, so fashion has always been my passion. You know, I, I feel like it's it's something that I've always wanted to do. I know I want to get into, you know, like somewhere in creative or fashion. And I'm more drawn to fashion because all the clothes that you wear, um, it's it's a representation of who you are, you know, like and um, and by a large part, you know, like fashion, the culture itself, it's a barometer of how a culture is. Um, and that very, you know, that very much intrigued me when I was little. Um, so then, you know, like as I, you know, as I um, went to school, went to Fashion Institute of Design Merchandising, um, I got into, you know, I, I started... Designing custom made dresses in the very beginning, actually, you know, like, and I realized that a lot of people that I, um, that was when I was in San Francisco, by the way, you know, and and those are a lot of the people who just can't buy off the rack um, because of their, you know, like, difference in body sizes. Maybe they're a size eight on top and a size 12 on the bottom, you know, like, um, they can't just buy off the rack. And I kind of find, I, I found um, a, purpose in that, you know, in helping these people look good when, you know, when the market doesn't provide what they need. Um, So then fast forward, you know, after graduation, I had the opportunity to show my first collection in um, in the San Francisco Fashion Week. Um, That was very, very interesting. You know, like it was also very fun. I, I had less than two months to push out a whole collection of 12 pieces from scratch and I have to sew everything myself, cut and sew everything myself. Um, And then later on after that, I did want it to start my own brand, but because, you know, at the time I I was young, I was in um, student loan debt. Matter of fact, I still have a little bit, you know? (laughs) Um, So I just couldn't start my own brand. You know, I just don't have the capital to start it. Um, So of course, you know, as anybody would, would guess, you know, I went to, getting a job. (laughs) That's just what people do when you don't have money, right? Um, And from the very beginning, you know, like I, at first I thought, you know, I only wanted to be a designer. And so I became a designer for a long time until I came to New York. Um, So I have to kind of not start from scratch again, but of course, you know, coming to New York everything is more expensive. Uh, Well, at the time, everything's more expensive, you know, like uh, live on your own. So I just kind of took on any opportunity in New York when I was in New York. Um, And it just turned out that it's no longer in designing and it was in merchandising. And then after that, another job after that was in product development. And then um, it wasn't until I got into merchandising and product development that, you know, like I really get the whole scope of the fashion industry pre-production side, pre-consumer side. Because when you're designing, it's totally different than when you're merchandising and product development, you know. Like, um, and of course, you know, like I also continue to develop those skills from there. And yeah, that's my that's my story, pretty much.
0: <laughs> and I think it's it's so important for and for the students listening who are very much kind of the audience for this podcast to learn about the other sectors of the industry. You know, if you're a designer, understanding again, like the merchandising aspect of it to kind of understand how everything works cross-functionally yes. is just such an important skill in, in this industry. And I think it's so fascinating to kind of hear about how, you know, just in your job uh, pursuits that you really built up that, that versatility. And, you know, even during all of this in, in your career in 2018, you founded War 3 d which is a business-to-business virtual solution to showcasing collections. What do you think really inspired you to to start Vore Three D, and how did you anticipate, even you know, just a few years ago, that the marriage of fashion and technology would in fact be this you know future sustainable model for the industry?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so the idea came when I was at my last job, and it was at a it was a multi-billion dollar corporation. You know, it's a transnational corporation. And as anybody would know, when you work in a corporation, everything is slow, right? You know, like uh, there's a lot of people that's been there for, you know, like for 10 years, 20 years, and it it's just very slow moving. And you see a lot of places where innovation can happen, but it's just not happening. Um, and at the time, one of my really good friends who's also our CEO um, right now, she became SVP for another VR company. It's called Little Star. Um, They're more entertainment based. But with her, you know, the idea, the question that came up was that, can we use VR to optimize the the fashion um, process? So I went back, you know, and um, at the time I was working in product development. So I went back and I analyzed all the functions that I've been doing, you know, like in the job what can be digitized and what cannot be digitized and how does digitization would reduce the waste and reduce, uh, you know, the cost. So I, I kind of, you know, like, I, of course I don't know exact numbers of, you know, like of how much time it's going to reduce at the time or how much cost it's, it's going to reduce. Um, but I have a general idea. Um, <clears throat> so I looked at a lot of stuff and I kind of thought to myself, you know, during the, pre-production process, when you have all those samples, um, there could be at least 14 stages of sampling, give or take. All those samples doesn't actually have a tangible value to it. The tangible value only happens when the end consumer actually buys the style and put it on their, on the body, right? But with the sampling, the value itself, it's really used to communicate the style and that communication of the style is non-tangible. So I kind of thought back, you know, like, you know, um, the, the blockbuster and the Netflix analogy, you know, the value in the movie, it's, it's in the movie itself. It's not in the DVD, it's not in the, in the tape. Um, so same with the sampling. So from that, I <clears throat> I thought, okay, well, now that, that, you know, fashion is already starting to go through a digital transformation and 3D fashion can achieve Photorealism. Why not put three D fashion, you know, like with with virtual reality to, you know, and use that as a way for brands to um, cohesively present their collection, you know. Um, um, so, <clears throat> so I start, you know, like talking to people in VR, going to meet up events, and then. Um, one thing led to another and it finally led me to one of the meetup events where I met my first um, you know, my first employee, quote unquote, you know. <laughs> so that's how, you know, that's how the whole story of Born 3D started.
0: And that's that's so interesting when you talk about how you really went through your own job in the fashion industry. And really thought critically and analyzed the process in, in what you were talking about, what could be physical, what could be digital, and really right. optimizing that in your strategy. I think that that's, that's so brilliant. And I know you just t- mentioned one of the employees that that you met when you were you know building uh, Vore 3D, but can you kind of go about and tell our listeners how you went about assembling this, this team that could help you execute your vision It from a technology standpoint, point being that, you know, your, your experience is, is very fashion focused and, you know, what are some of the key players that helped you create VOR
1: 3D? Yeah, of course. Um, First of all, let me make a correction. I wouldn't say employee, you know, like he's, he's a founding team member. Um, It just, I had a loss of words just now. So with the VR, you know, I had, I kind of, analyze, okay, well, what is my pipeline? How do I go about creating what I need? First of all, I'm doing virtual showrooms. Everything's virtual. So I need people who can do virtual, who's already in real, doing those virtual real estate, um, you know, like for the real estate um, industry. Secondly, I need somebody who does 3D fashion design um, and one of the first founding team members, his name is Vinny, he, it just so happened I went to a meetup event and he was presenting some of his um, recent work and it was this whole interior design um, all in 3D that he did. And right then and there, okay, you know, like this is it, you know, like he's, he, <laughs> he's the guy. Um, so from then on I have, okay, so now I need somebody who does 3 D. I at, at the time, you know, like somebody at my company um, actually knows how to do 3D, but I don't think she wanted to go on and be in a startup. <laughs> she's more concerned with, uh, you know, like her, which is fine, you know, like her her other stuff that she's doing. Um, so I started looking on LinkedIn. Um, I searched specifically for, for clothes 3D or 3D fashion designer. And at the time there's only Oh, I remember, you know, like the list that came up, it was maybe only one list and some of the people doesn't actually have a fashion design background, you know, like they don't necessarily know how um, garment constructions or how fabric is supposed to drape Um, and and I'll go into you know those other people a little bit they actually came from the you know the gaming side who have been doing garments for games for a little, really long time but doesn't necessarily know how um how actual garments are supposed to fit on a real body um so anyhow so uh, there was like maybe a short list of people that says 3d fashion designers half of those are gaming people and then half of the other ones are students that just um that just graduated so perfect, you know, like I'll I'll grab a student <laughs> just to have something started. So now, I have the I have someone who can do the the interior. I have someone who can do the the garments. Now I need somebody to actually assemble it in VR. Um, and it just so happened, you know, like that person I lucked out. Um, my my friend Lucy, who's also our CEO now, her. <coughs> Her intern's boyfriend is a Unity developer. And so, you know, I have to say, you know, half of that is luck. And the other half, you know, like, it does take some work. No, so I,
0: definitely.
1: So then I got the core team assembled. And then, you know, of course, um, there's a lot of refinement to make, you know, a lot, of, a lot of R&D and figuring things out.
0: Well, it sounds like you have, you know, such talent behind you really to, create that vision. I think that it's so interesting that, you know, people in gaming, you know, can fall, fall into something that's, you know, VR fashion. It's, it's really amazing. And it sounds a lot like the incredible team that we have built up to produce um, the annual Silver Needle Runway. We have, you know, digital media students, we have film, we have animators, all to help create both our virtual presentation um, and also our our in-person shows. So I think that also what's really interesting is that how a lot like SNR, you guys, where we work with, sorry, uh, where we work with the graduating senior designers each year to help create, um, to help make their creations come to life on the runway, that a huge part of War 3 d is working directly with those designers and brands to bring their designs to to virtual life. Can you walk us through what that relationship looks like and creatively the, the level of involvement uh, for 3D has in, in creating an immersive content presentation?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so first and foremost, I, when we speak with any potential clients or prospect, we, we want to make sure, you know, like they know that they can think like really outside the box, you know, like think of a virtual showroom as something that you would see in your dream. It doesn't have to be, like you don't have to follow the, the idea of conventional showroom where you have a table and chairs and just clothing hanging together. I, we, we tell them to really think how they wanted the brand to represent. Um, because now you know, like it's in it's in virtual. It can be anything. You can be in the sky, in the clouds. You can be under the water. You can have like fish swimming around you, or mermaids for you know, or you can be on Mars. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's the showroom itself. It's no longer um, something. It's no longer just a space for you to present your collection. It's it's now something that that really that sh- should really speak your brand. Um, so we have a few, you know, like who wanted um, a, a showroom up, you know, a penthouse up in the clouds. Um, we actually did one that's underwater for one of the events. Um, we couldn't get the fish swimming because, you know, that's a lot of, uh, that's, uh, the whole file size would be very massive, but it is underwater. <laughs> um so yes, you know. So that's first and foremost. Um, secondly, you know, like we have to work really close with the designers, and especially in the beginning, we work with very, um, very small designers who are still hand sketch sketching. And sometimes that's really hard to work with to, for us to really understand their vision and bring the vision to life. We have to see what they see. Um, I mean, now we prefer to work with a little bit bigger brand, well, not bigger brands, you know, but at least, you know, like um, the brands that follow some sort of industry standard who have the tech packs, the, um, the fabric standards, the you know the Pantone color standards, the trim, so on and so forth. Um, at least with that, you know we can make no mistake. You know we can follow exactly what's on the tag pack to bring it to life. Um, but in the beginning, yes, we worked with very small designers, and and it was a very you know like it was a very amazing um, journey because you really have to try to get into the head. You know like oh this print is hand dyed. And, and the designer will explain to us, you know, how they go about the process of hand dyeing these fabric. Um, And even me, you know, as a designer, before I'm learning, I'm learning myself too. Yeah. So it was a, it was a great experience.
0: Can you explain a little bit about how long the process takes for, you know, first meeting with the designers, having them show the tech packs and, and the designs to actually creating and um, uh, I guess publishing almost um, the the virtual showroom.
1: Yeah. Um, so a showroom with about like about ten designs or within ten designs in the showroom, it takes about two to three weeks, give or take. Um, not too long we try to standardize the process as much as possible beforehand and we have a checklist for the designers to follow like these are the items that you need um, so that we can bring your bring your ideas to life as accurately as possible. Um, so we try to standardize the process as much as possible, and um, when we are working with them, we try to clarify, you know, everything is visual, okay, you know, like, this is exactly how you want it to look, right? Um, we even have, you know, like, compiled Pinterest boards, you know, like, and take out elements of different um, things that are supposed to be in the showroom, okay, you want exactly this here, The the. Um, So yes, you know, like, I think standardization is, um, it helps a lot in speeding up the process as well, because it lessens, you know, all the back and forth.
0: Definitely, definitely. And that all sounds so exciting. It really seems like you have a, a great system and kind of a great way of, you know, working in your own capacities and, you know, well, I guess I would say. Um, working with the designers and really, you know, the sky's the limit in, in what they can create and where they can put their designs. And can you kind of talk a little bit about sort of the sustainable motivation in creating Vore 3D as well?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, well, when I, when, at my last job, um, when I was handling all the talking figure and Calvin Klein and some of the lucky brands, Um, We have huge productions um, for for a lot of retailers. And the samples that come through me every single day, it's just ridiculous. It's boxes and boxes of samples. I myself have a whole closet at the Empire State Building probably, well, the closet is bigger than the size of this room, but all of my production, it it will fill this room. And a lot of those eventually goes to waste or you know, or donation, they, they donate them. They say they donate them. I don't know whether or not they actually have the time to donate them. Um, and because I was working on kid's clothing and a lot of those clothing are before test, testing, um, it's really important, you know, like you can't have a kid choking on a pom-pom ball. <laughs> so you can't sell them through sample sales. Um, <clears throat> all those samples with the poly bags, you know, like it's, it's my own personal frustration that really got me to thinking, okay, you know, like, can we, can we use VR and virtualization to, to reduce waste? Um, so that was one of the huge problems that came up as well and that, um, that was one of the main driver behind behind 4 through
0: Um, I'd love to kind of go back a little bit and talk about that you know see now shop now kind of um, idea that we're seeing in the industry. And I heard that there's a very exciting new announcement with with Vore 3D. Tracy, can you tell our listeners about uh, the Shopify integration that you're you're working on right now?
1: Yeah. So the team is working on integrating our web app with the Shopify. Um, and the way that the, that people can interact with our web app is um, is exactly how you would you know like kind of like a virtual showroom. But instead of just a visualization, people can now um, buy directly from the web app and put whatever style, whatever garments into the shopping cart. Um, and I'm, I'm actually personally really excited about this because my idea of an ideal fashion business model going forward in the future should be selling digitally and producing on demand. Um, we started doing this because we have spoken to a few designers or and a few small brands who actually came to us and and they they have the same idea they're like okay you know like we want to explore selling digitally we want to explore the you know the virtual showroom um on the other hand we're also looking for on-demand you know producers to produce our stuff on demand and i'm so glad when i spoke with them because this is exact i'm like oh my god you know this is the ideal fashion business model that i've been trying to push out and i'm so glad that i'm not alone in this and there's so many people that's thinking about this too. Um, so all right, you know, since they're already selling on Shopify, Shopify it is. <laughs> so we're we're nearing the you know the finish line for for the Shopify integration. Um, there's still some testing to do. We're hitting a little snag here and there, you know, but we just gotta smooth it out, and then we'll we will be able to push out the beta.
0: I love hearing that you know, you were saying that you didn't feel like you were, you were alone because I think so many people like, like yourself are really questioning how we've been doing things for so, so long. And like, how can it be more sustainable? How can it, you know, how can we use the technology that, that we have and optimize it for, for this industry? Um, I, I really can't wait to see what's, what's next for 4 3D. And I'm excited to see what happens with the, with the Shopify integration and. You truly have this this wisdom and this and this grasp on you know the future of of fashion and and VR and it's incredible to see the contributions that you've that you've made to the industry as a whole. I'd love to kind of talk about some of the conversations and and talks that you've had to educate other people in the industry about what's next for uh, fashion and technology and virtual reality. So. With that said, I'd I'd love to talk about a very special event that you spoke at last year at the Hong Kong Productivity Council, which focused on fashion's digital transformation. Can you kind of explain to our listeners a little bit more about that experience and what were some of the key takeaways from your talk?
1: Yeah, um, so... They're, they're amazing. So I'm originally born in Hong Kong. So with that, you know, like I speaking with them, I feel very close to home as well. Uh, my dad is also an entrepreneur, but he's in, you know, like the building material stuff, you know, like totally unrelated to fashion. Um, and the Hong Kong Productivity Council has been a um, a very long standing government body to support The manufacturing industry in Hong Kong. Even though now a lot of those have already moved on to China, um, but they're still here, you know, like supporting the industry and trying to move the industry forward. Not just in fashion. I mean, they do have a lot of um, fashion manufacturers and fashion sourcing companies within the Hong Kong Productivity Council. So I spoke with them on digital transformation um, because it was like one of the things that, you know, like they they are aware but not as in tune as the people here. So the whole fashion industry in Hong Kong are, um, the the majority of the fashion industry in Hong Kong are mostly sourcing companies. Um, these sourcing companies are the ones that actually works with the brands, kind of, you know, kind of like the ones in New York. New York's some more, you know, like design and development companies, um, Hong Kong more sourcing companies, and they're the one that connects the brands um, and or, you know, any retailer private labels to the manufacturers in China. And with that said, you know, they're, they're actually another layer apart from the end consumer. So... They're not as aware of you know like the where the trends are going. Some of them are. I, I have to say you know I can't speak for the whole industry. I'm sure some some of them are, but the majority of them you know like they are still doing things in a very conventional way, like very conventional way. And, um, and there's a a big mindset roadblock that you have to remove in order to get them in tune with you know like their customers, which are the brands. Um, And of course, you know, like for the fashion industry to change, it has to change across the board, you know, across the value chain. Um, So the experience was really good. You know, um, there was a lot of questions. There was a lot of, there was a lot of uh aha moments, I I believe, and I got connected with a lady who was an SVP for China Tang, which is a huge fashion conglomerate, you know, like on on the China side. Um, Well, they're also multinational now um and there's a lot of um you know i also i actually you know there's a back and forth conversation and also i also learned a lot about the innovation and the um and the digital transformation that these people are thinking of going into but doesn't exactly know how and you know of course a lot of these brands a lot of these companies also wanted to be uh, to understand how American brands are operating these days as well um, so the experience experience overall it's um it's very good you know like I I got connected back to you know the fashion industry from my my birth city um, and that was great and I keep in touch with a lot of those people um, drive, trying to drive change Of course, you know, like before I started, I started in New York. I'm trying to drive change in New York. But now, you know, like, of course, um, I also see an opportunity um, on not just on the Hong Kong side, but in Asia in general.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sort of, you know, looking to the future, I think this episode is particularly going to be very special as it will be released the week of our fashion show, the 35th annual Silver Needle Runway, which I kind of mentioned before, but for the first time ever. We will have a virtual pre-recorded presentation as well as an in-person, more traditional runway setting. So from your experience, you know, working in fashion, uh, taking part in San Francisco Fashion Week and even uh, producing fashion shows with Fitum, how have you witnessed the evolution of fashion shows and, and fashion content presentations? And what can you sort of anticipate will be the attainable future for, for that?
1: Yeah, um, I can't speak for the big fashion shows, um, I kind of did produce small fashion shows here and there when I was in San Francisco on, on a very small scale, um, and the designers that I was working with at the time, a lot of these people are still doing the, you know, um, they're producing the samples by hand, they're, they're still sewing to the last minute. Um, I, I think, you know, like with the, that is something that hasn't changed. <laughs> it's always, you know, like until the last minute. I, oh, oh, it's hard to say. Um, the fashion shows, I feel like, you know, it's it definitely has changed, especially with the pandemic. I believe Shanghai Fashion Week was the first one to have gone all digital. Um, and now the fashion shows have gone from, you know like from showing new buyers you know new merchandisers the media new styles to being and you know um a show of art to you know like being a work of art um not just not just for you know the fashion industry people but also for for everybody um and as you as we all know as you know we're in this experience economy right now and I feel like, you know, like now some of the fashion show have gone on to provide an experience for people to relate to the brands in a, in a closer way, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: definitely. And that's something that we really are, are looking towards um, with Silver Needle Runway. We think of ourselves as this, you know, laboratory of innovation and, you know, even on a school level, we really want to push the boundaries and push the envelope on kind of, you know, what a fashion show can be and really having, you know, this, this intimate experience with, with our viewers and, and our senior designers. But Tracy, this was amazing. Thank you so much for joining the more than fashion, uh, the SNR podcast before you go, can you let listeners know where they can connect with you personally and where they can follow along with all things for 3d?
1: Yeah, um our social media is of course you know Vore3D. That's the handle for Instagram, for Twitter, um, for LinkedIn and Facebook. Um for me personally, my my Twitter is I am Vorian. So we have this thing, you know, within the team we call ourselves Vorian. So we didn't just create a company, we also totally created a new species. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I tell people we're variants. They're like, oh, is that like some sort of alien form? We're like, maybe.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like I'm going to have to come up with the name now for the Silver Needle Runway people, but I'll, I'll keep you updated on that.
1: The Silverlings. <laughs> yes, yes. I like that. I like that. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Tracy. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to More Than Fashion, the SNR podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review and follow at Silver Needle Runway on all platforms for all More Than Fashion podcast updates. Talk to you all soon.